0: Introverted noise. Hurry up, daddy.
1: Alright, and welcome back to another episode of the Pocket Protectors Podcast. I am your host, Jason Brown. You can find me on Twitter at BrownJason. And we are back. We are whole. Nick is back. Still doing all those wonderful parenting things that he was doing before, but he's back. Maybe a bit more sleep deprived than the last time you guys heard from him, but he's here. Going to share some time with us before he gets called back to doing, you know, more dad stuff the stuff that you have to do when you uh you have a new baby but congratulations again nick and
2: because Thank you know
1: you. we missed you so much we got to start with you my man how you doing how you been how are am good
2: life? i'm good life is good life is good it's full it's uh it's a lot of fun two kids it's um it's a lot it's um you know you have less free time but you also you know life is more uh i don't know like peaceful. So in some ways you're less happy because there's less me time, but in other ways it's more like us time. So it's good. Hey, let's see. You need to write cards
1: or something, Nick. That was very well stated. (laughs) That that was very nicely done right there. I like it. I like it. And uh, you've joined the club with myself and Eric. Eric, how are you doing? How are things on your end? And were you able to get both of yours down uh, with relative ease this evening?
0: Well, I think that they're in their bed. (laughs) <laughs> uh,
1: that's the so. first that's the first step in the battle
0: yeah um but yeah so if one of them shouts uh, that's probably because they're not asleep yet uh things are good uh college football started this week with week zero uh and continues um thursday uh with um, our cincinnati bearcats facing off uh against ucla and uh pff's own chip kelly uh, so that'll be a lot of fun. I think I'm going to probably go to that game. So uh, even though, you know, it's kind of like the lull here for the NFL for a few days until cutdowns, uh, college football is revving up. So I'm kind of excited for that. It was a lot of fun to watch uh, Hawaii, Arizona uh, in the middle of the night through the night.
1: So, so speaking of college football, I just I have one question. And I'm hoping both of you saw this clip, the viral clip of, of Michael Irvin trying to get the boys fired up before they played Florida and and Nick I'm gonna start with you because you seem to be a very level-headed individual what is the closest to that
2: fired up you've ever been in your life <laughs> can I say birth of my kids
1: <laughs> there we go I mean that that works that works that's, I mean you know that's, that's, probably, the, that's probably the right answer <laughs>
2: I don't okay. know if my wife listens to this podcast, but if she does, but, but, I think I'm covered now.
1: But if she does, that that was the right <laughs> answer. Well done. Eric, how about you? Because uh, Michael Irvin, he was on a, a whole nother level, and I was worried I was going to have a heart attack just watching him give that speech.
0: Yeah, it's strange because back, you know, when I played uh, in, in college, I remember having to, like, I was almost never that hype before games. I almost had to take, like, a five-hour energy just to get up for games and stuff, which is strange. Uh, so I don't think I've ever been, like, that jacked up about anything, uh, at least not sober, <laughs> which I also think is correlated with Michael Urban's, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, uh, performance the other, the other day.
1: That, that that That's fair. That's fair. Well, uh, well, we'll segue from that to a, another segment of the population that maybe is a little bit more excitable than they should be. And, Eric... I need to talk to you about the uh, the favorite person in the land of Viking Twitter, Kyle Sloter, because yeah, I mean, it's- yeah, Go the ahead. grades, the grades, the stats, everything seems to be lining up and saying Kyle Sloter is the man. Kyle Sloter should be QB two, but then Mike Zimmer keeps coming out and saying, hey, not so fast, my friend." He doesn't practice well. He's not getting people lined up. He's missing checks. Um, You work in the football industry. Help me understand here because the numbers seem to be saying one thing. We have a narrative on the other side. Outside of just playing on the field, what else is a quarterback too supposed to be doing to add value to his team?
0: Yeah, and, you know, I think the thing is, and we, you know, there have been people that have written about and say, you know, the games matter more than practice and all that And while I do agree with that, if you're talking about the regular season, there's a significant um, issue with taking preseason seriously um, in that either there's a couple things. A, many teams are not running their offense. Um, You know, can we talk to people in the NFL? There's countless people who say, you know, we're just not running plays that we're going to run in the regular season. Uh, so as not to give them away. And, and that's something where I think, you know, it works against Sloter. And to the, to the other degree, you know, even if the team is running their things, there's a pretty solid chance the defense on the other side is not running their defense. Um, so, you know, we see it in, in Sloter stats. And granted, like, my, m- my take on Sloter is like he's handling the situation in front of him in the preseason games as best as he can. I mean, he's hitting a wide open receivers. He's, you know, do it, you know, it's better to hit wide open receivers than to be inaccurate on them for sure. Uh so there there's obviously that. Um, but ultimately, like he's seeing just a lot of simple stuff. I mean, this preseason he has twenty-eight dropbacks. He's been pressured four times. So uh fourteen you know, two eight Uh, pressure rate that's the second lowest uh, among any player with like more than 20 dropbacks so he's facing really simple sort of like defenses you know to sort of just like level set with that you know Sean Mannion has 37 dropbacks 11 of them or 29.7 percent of them are are pressured and so um, you know if you know people aren't running things in the preseason that they're running in the regular season and as you go down further on the depth chart They're running fewer things. So while Sloter's executing things well, um, I I totally understand what Zimmer's saying in the sense that he could be, you know, sort of incapable uh, of some of the things that a quarterback has to do uh, in practice when they're actually running the intricacies of the Vikings offense. And, and, you know, the, the proof is also there as well. Like, it's not just Zimmer. That has preferred other quarterbacks over man uh, over a uh, Slaughter. You know he also you know lost out in a in a battle with Paxton Lynch, Trevor Simeon, and Brock Osweiler in 2017. So, um you know he like I said I he's he's fun. For example, he's fun to bet on against the spread uh, in the preseason. He's doing exactly you know what you'd hope a third quarterback would do in a very simple almost throwing on air situation. Um but that doesn't necessarily project into what makes a good backup quarterback in the NFL.
1: Yeah, so to that point, and I guess Nick or Eric you can jump in on this one. What does make a good backup quarterback in the NFL? Like if it's not about coming in winning games necessarily and just kind of, you know, putting up great stats in the preseason, like what are the other things that we're looking for outside of maybe what, you know, fans are looking at and seeing on the field? Like where's that value coming from outside of just yeah, what Slotus seems to be doing very well right now?
0: Well, I think one trait is that you know you just you there's the support of the of the of the starter, right? So um, you know that, and that's the reason you know some a guy like Mannion's been around and in some pretty good offenses is that he you know has been the, you know a player that you know sort of supports the starter on the sideline during the games. That stuff is not stuff we can quantify, but it's certainly something that that Zimmer is privy to, and other players are you know other coaches are privy to. Um, you know, you look at the quarterbacks that have been backups uh, for a while, you know, the, the players on the team like sort of revere them, whether it's like Teddy Bridgewater with the Saints or Tyrod Taylor with the Chargers or the Browns or the Bills. He was always revered. Brian Hoyer, same thing, um, you know, and, and there, there's something to that. And then I think beyond that, it's simply, you know, when you get into the game, like something like a preseason game um, and you're playing with the ones or twos, you just simply command, uh, you know, you command the huddle and you make throws. And to that point, Kyle Sloter's done that. It's just been against third string defenses with, with third string players uh, in vanilla scheme. So uh, it is tough, but like ultimately, like, I mean, the Vikings are screwed sideways anyway if, if Kirk gets hurt. But it's sort of this thing. It's like, OK, can a guy come in there and just can a guy come in there and win you a game 40 percent of the time?
1: Forty percent, okay. And Nick, what were you gonna say um, when 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 you jumped in there?
2: Yeah, I would just add on that you're you're looking for somebody who can obviously come in and play well uh, in the event that your QB one goes down, but you're also looking for somebody who is good for uh, good on the whiteboard, and that's something we've heard repeatedly. Sean Mannion praised for, and repeatedly heard Kyle Sloter criticized for is that he's just not as good on the whiteboard, and um, that matters a lot in the QB room in the when you're drawing up plays and scheming things. And also, you know, the primary job of the backup quarterback during the season is, uh, is for the scout team. So, um, you know, you want somebody who's going to challenge your, your squad as well and help them develop. Um, and, and I know Slaughter has looked very good, but you have to take it in context of what he's been asked to do. Obviously, he puts a lot of points on the boards. He's got like a near-perfect passer rating, but uh, like 60% of his passes have been play action. Just, just under, I think, 57% this preseason, which is like insane. You know, the the most last year was like Jared Goff on like a third of his throws. So uh, it's it's so much play action and it's so many rollouts and it's so many moving pockets. Eric mentioned the no pressure, and he's he's making the passes asked of him. But it's it's like a lot of it is just screens or boots or drag routes where he's just throwing to a simple crosser. There's no like timing concept to it. And, like, I think he had, like, one other pass that wasn't a, a, a boot dragger screen, and um, it was to, like, a wide-open Brandon Dillon. So, um, you, you know, he's, he's, he's putting points up on the board, and it's exciting to see, but uh, I think you have to look less at the results, especially when you're trying to do, like, a pro scouting perspective, who's going to be uh, the best going into the future. You can't you you can look at the results. You have to look more at the process. And I think if you look at the process rather than the results, you'll understand why – the coaches are a little higher on Mannion and a little less high on Slaughter.
1: Okay. Well, that's fair, and I feel like that is, uh, yeah, I feel like that, that's, a, that's a fair uh, recounting of things and a, and a fair explanation as to why you know Slaughter, uh has not ascended up the chart. And um, yeah, I guess you know he's been here for a while, and if we're still having those same issues, maybe that's just what it's going to be as we move forward with them. But I really think that's enough of, of talking about Mister Slaughter. He is a fun talker. He's the thing that makes people get the most excited right now. It is uh, very reminiscent of, you know, Joe Webb and Ponder back in the day. We get very, very, very passionate about just okay quarterbacks for some reason in this fan base. And, uh, yeah, sometimes I guess maybe it distracts us from the other things that are going on, like the game. And there's a lot to talk about in this game. So, uh, Nick, again, we missed you. I'm going to get you uh, in here first. Vikings played the game the dress rehearsal game if you will uh what were your takeaways how did you feel walking away from this dress rehearsal um you know with the team you know the first team playing for a little bit uh did you leave feeling good bad what were your thoughts generally speaking from this game after after it was all said and done
2: uh definitely a little underwhelmed just because of what a goose egg the first team offense laid uh especially kirk cousins was you know like one of seven or something for like minus five yards or something it was like Hard to imagine a worse, uh, stat line like that than that. And he was about as bad as that stat line looked. I guess there was like a drop or two in there from Chad Beebe. But, um, yeah, uh, that, not that that makes me feel any better that like it's, Chad Beebe's fault as opposed to Kirk Cousins' fault. Um, I guess I can say the pass protection was good and Dalvin Cook looked phenomenal. Um, so that's really exciting to think about what Dalvin Cook will look like. We've heard a lot of talk this offseason about, um, Luke Kubiak's schemes and how he gets the most out of his running backs and how high people in the building are on Dalvin Cook. Um, you know, we've seen, uh, some of the, 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 analysts put out, you know, Dalvin Cook is, is one of the, arguably one of the best running backs in the NFL when he's healthy. And I think that's right. So it's exciting to think about, you know, what other 85 yard touchdowns, uh, we might be able to, to catch this season if he stays healthy and Kubiak's scheme, uh, meshes well with him. So, um, that's exciting. Um, but otherwise, first team offense was uh, obviously not, not great. Um, uh, the second, the first team defense, I thought actually did really well there. The one concern there I have is Xavier Rhodes. And I, I really don't know what was up with him. It looked like he just wasn't uh, either he was hurt or he wasn't um, like fully 100 percent or something because he was getting beat at the line of scrimmage and then just not being able to catch up with guys. So that's a little concerning. But then reports are that he's had a great camp. He's looked really good. He's been able to keep up with Diggs and Thielen. So uh, maybe he's okay. We'll see. Uh, Hoping for a bounce back here from him. But otherwise, first team defense looks great. Um, Everybody on the defensive line looked good. Shamar Steffen was, um, I'm I'm still not going to say I I love the signing, but uh, he had, he was just a brick wall for the run stops. And granted, it's the Cardinals in the preseason. You know, they're not known for being NFL's best run graders, but it's good to see the run defense step up. Um, Mackenzie Alexander and Jaron Curse had really good games in the secondary. Um, Anthony Barr looked phenomenal. Uh, he was making plays all over the field. And even when he wasn't making plays, he was having an impact on the play. So that was good to see. And then from the backups, I'll just say Afadio Denebo, I think, um, is, is really breaking out. Uh, we might see him. Uh, maybe even take Steven Weatherly's backup job because, which is a surprise because Weatherly was essentially a starter last season when Everson Griffin missed so much time. But, um, has been really impressive. Um, a couple other guys stood out. Uh, it's, it'll be interesting to see what happens with Armin Watts. That's a nose tackle we drafted in the sixth round at the end of the sixth round, and he got some first team reps. Um, and so there's, there's a couple other players. There's Oli Udo, who I think, actually looks really good. I was I was kind of I've been a little hesitant to get on board the Oliudo train because I think he's he's a ways away from from playing, but I think he could he could actually contribute this year uh, if we kept him on the on the 53 man roster. So it'll be interesting it'll be interesting to see what happens now with the the final cutdowns, who who stays, who goes um because I think, you know, anytime you're going 3 and 0 and everybody's grading well in the preseason, it's uh, it's going to be tough to decide who to, to who to cut down for the final 53.
1: Awesome. And Eric, how about you, man? What uh what were your thoughts when you uh when you when you watched this game and I guess what were your thoughts after the fact when uh, you know the grades came out and uh you saw, you know, who played well, who played who didn't play so well, who graded a little bit better or worse than maybe you thought when you were watching it live?
0: Well, I, you know, I I came away with it thinking that the Vikings are completely screwed if if uh Phelan or Diggs gets hurt, get hurt. Um because, you know, as Nick said, like like Chad Beebe and you know, whomever after that is not going to, you know, play wide receiver in a way in which we're accustomed. Uh And, you know, when Kirk Cousins is already a little bit shaky in terms of being a starting quarterback in the NFL, like that's going to be a problem. So uh, I like the Dalvin Cook run, although if you watch the rest of their offense, they were extremely inefficient running the football. So it felt like that run was almost a curse in the sense that they it it gave them license to be more inefficient the rest of the time kirk was in there uh you know you don't it, it sort of goes against football but like you don't take pressure off of a guy like cousins by putting him in a
2: bunch of third and longs by running the ball um yeah and they've, so, not to, to, to just to jump in they've been running a lot this pre- preseason on second and long and I, you should absolutely hate that from an analytics perspective. For whatever reason, it's been working. And I almost feel like that's a bad thing. Like, it's going to reinforce, like, Dalvin Cook's 85 yard run, I think, came on second and long or so second and 10. Um, and so, it, w- when that happens, I, I, you almost worry that, like, the coaches are going to be like, okay, this works. Let's keep doing it. And when that's one of the worst play calls, one of the worst situations to run the ball there is. So,
0: yeah, I agree with you. Yeah. And, and to me, that's that's the curse, right? You don't want to have that. Uh, you know, you don't want to be successful in things that are bad decisions. You don't want to hit on a 17 and blackjack and get a couple fours, uh, you know, a few times in the night or else you're going to, you're going to get buried later. So, uh, I'm absolutely, so that was my first takeaway, you know, obviously cousins is going to be the starter. So it's hard to take anything away, uh, from that, from, you know, a long-term perspective. Um, what I did like, I think offensively, you know, you had the Dakota Dozier, uh, our friend Luke tweeted about him earlier today, drew Samia. Uh, Brett Jones uh, continuing a solid preseason. I think some of those backup offensive linemen were very encouraging. Not that Arizona is is terrific by any stretch defensively, um, but that's awesome. Olubisi Johnson had uh, had some run again, uh, which is good. Uh, I think defensively, I think it was very fun and smart of them not to play Harrison Smith because it got us a, a look into J. Ron Curse, who was absolutely terrific. I think he had like a – an 85 coverage grade, uh, 89 overall grade, uh, you know, just kind of all over the field, didn't allow a catch on any of his targets. So, uh, you know, as Nick said, Shamar Stefan graded extremely well uh, as well. He didn't get any pressure, but he had three stops, uh, you know, in the run game. So that was awesome. Anthony Harris as well. Uh, and Efedio, uh Adenabo, he had the, you know, four total pressures, three hurries, uh, a hit on the quarterback. Uh, Weatherly played fine as well. So two pressures, Hercules, Montafa, one pressure as well. So there's there, there's a little bit of hope on that defense. I I second what Nick said 100%. I think Xavier Rhodes uh, is a huge problem for this defense in the sense that they expect him to be a great corner, and he was a great corner. And if that ever relents, I think they're screwed because you know Mike Hughes is coming back from an ACL. We don't know when he'll be ready-ready. I mean, he came off the pup today, but uh, we don't know when he'll be ready. And, and McKenzie Alexander has been shaky this preseason. Trey Waynes has always been up-and-down guy, and I think you can sort of live with him as the up-and-down guy when Rhodes is brilliant. But when Rhodes is up-and-down himself, then that makes for a shaky defense. So I'm a little worried just about the corner position and then, again, the interior pressure. It seems like they manufactured a little bit of it uh, this past weekend, but uh, consistently, I don't know. You know, Arizona's offensive line is horrible, so, you know, you wonder what will happen when they face, for example, Atlanta week one.
1: All right, and Nick, there was one other thing I wanted to ask you about here because we've been having a lot of conversations, and I know one of the things that you've talked about a lot is, you know, Sheldon Richardson, good at football, Sheldon gone, might have some trouble with the interior pass rush, but in this game I noticed uh, that the Vikings were often going to – is we, you know, the Corvette package, whatever you want to you want to call it. We were putting in you know four defensive ends uh, across the board to to get some uh, some more pass rush, especially on in the interior. What were your thoughts when you saw them roll out that package? And uh, is that something that you were hoping that they would do, or are you, are you hoping they carry that forward into the regular season, or is that something that you're you're hoping that they leave in the
2: preseason? Yeah, it seems like the plan from Zimmer and Coach Patterson to rep- to replace as well as they can Richardson's production as a as a pass rusher, um, especially in the third down packages, is to kick some of the defensive ends inside. I think earlier in the preseason we saw it was Stephen Weatherly lined up in the three-tech and then Hercules mata lined up either, you know, one or three, you know, somewhere else on the other side of the line um, for the interior pressure. Um, This game we saw actually Fadio Odenabo get a lot of those those pass rushing reps. They also gave Armin Watts some pass rushing reps because he's – flashed a lot of pass rushing potential, especially for a guy who kind of was drafted as a, as a nose guard. Um, so they're able to squeeze some pass rush reps out of uh, pass rush production out of those guys um, in a third down situation where you can pin your ears back and you know that they're going to be dropping back to pass set. Um, I do think those guys can generate some product. The other thing with um to keep in mind here is even though like from a grading perspective, the Vikings are average or kind of maybe even below average in terms of like pass rush grade, grade, what you would expect for the next year. Zimmer is somebody who has always been able to, to generate a lot of pressure from guys who uh, their grades wouldn't normally say it. And um, you've seen this from, from Daniil Hunter, who's always had a lot of sack production, despite his grades, not always matching. Although now we might expect the grades to match because he's kind of uh, reached his full form. But we you saw that last year where the team was, you know, middle of the road in terms of team pass rush grade, but they were like third in sacks. So that's just you know, it's it's a reflection on how good of a defensive schemer Mike Zimmer is that he's able to generate pressure um, despite not having world beaters at his um, defensive tackle positions or even sometimes the defensive end position. So um yeah you'll see you'll see those guys kick inside especially on pass rushing downs and I like their potential. Um, but it's something to keep in mind and to track going forward because There are are teams with better pass rushers on them, and so it'll be interesting to see how Zimmer works around that.
1: All right, Eric, and what are your thoughts? Are there any, I guess, negative implications or or negative consequences of, uh, you? I guess, often going back to having the the lighter personnel in there, or from your perspective, is the only really downside running? So, like, who cares?
0: Yeah, I mean, as long as the players are adept at rushing the passer from the inside, then it's fine. I mean, Uh, I sort of, I'm I'm sort of an old football junkie and I was watching, um, a a video about like the 86 Vikings with like Keith Millard and, and, uh, Chris Dolman and all those guys when they were the lead leading defense for like three years running. And back then even they were told, you know, rush the quarterback. And if the running back runs by you, try to tackle him. And, and I think that's always been the case. And I think people worry a little bit too much about, uh, being too small defensively. Um, you know, because even, even if you allow six yards per carry, if you're a good, if you're a, you know, you have to be a pretty damn good pass defense for that to still be uh, more than the pass uh, game you allow. So, um, I I have no problem with them going small. Uh, I always liked the concept of Tom Johnson playing a lot for them back when, when he was sort of, uh, sharing time with Stefan. So, uh, if they can find a, a mix there that works, uh, they should go for it.
1: And Eric, that's a perfect segue. I want you to bring us home on this episode here, talking to us a little bit about the, uh, the I guess we'll say the update you did to the uh, is controversial, is that what we call it? The controversial pass rush versus coverage article that you guys did last year. You guys made a bit of an update to it. It's a really, really good read. And uh, I will li- obviously link to it in the show notes, but if you could, uh, I guess, maybe give us a little bit of synopsis of what it was that you found when you went back to the data this time around.
0: Yeah. Um, so it was, it was basically it, it sort of exactly, you know, what you would expect in the sense that, you know, you look at PFF grades. Um, you, you know, you go ahead and you say, okay, um, if a team is this pass rush and this coverage, what does it do to, to offenses? And it's kind of what you would expect. A, a pass, a good pass rush makes a quarterback get rid of the ball more quickly. A good coverage unit makes him hang on to the ball longer. And, and in fact, you know pass rush affects time to throw a little bit more than coverage does. So then the question then becomes okay does it does does it cause some pause for the whole pass rush versus coverage debate? And what I you know concluded was that you know certainly pass rush matters the the quicker you get rid of the ball assuming no pressure occurs, it's a it's a worse throw If you can stand in the pocket and assume no pressure ever happens, then epa does go up per pass attempt but um but frankly like the longer you're in the pocket the longer there is a chance for pressure uh and that is generally caused uh by coverage and so uh, ultimately it ends up being still in in favor of coverage in the sense that you're getting an offense great coverage is getting an offense to do something that's disadvantageous for it whereas good pass rush can be sort of schemed away by throwing the ball quickly uh, to receivers in often, you know, sort of positive EV situations.
1: I like it, and it was a really good read, and it was a good update, and I like the fact that, you know, as time goes along, you are continually going back and doing what you should be doing with with, uh, with science, not getting completely locked into a specific take, but going back and checking as you uh, you get more information. But it was a really, really good read. Everyone listening to this should definitely go and check it out. Uh, anything else on deck for us now? I know that you, you had a bit of time there as the uh, – offseason was winding down and you had some really fun stuff come out anything else or you you really ramped all the way in now with the uh the college and uh i guess you know you you did some sunday night football and the upcoming nfl season that's going to be one around the corner
0: yeah it was a lot of fun when when andrew luck retired we did a um an update to the simulation and then those updates got on uh, sunday night football the other night with uh the titans being one of the teams and they sort of went from being I think projected to be second or third place in the AFC South and you now first or second place. Uh, so that was pretty cool. We're going to be doing, I think, a decent amount in the college football sort of prediction space with Green Line now having uh, some NCAA picks. Uh, and then, yeah, sort of the sort of the weekly cadence, which will be, you know, a fair amount of, uh, you know, basically predictions with some fantasy mixed in there. Um, and then uh, the PFF forecast frequently. And then, Sort of my own hobby, which is like you know NCAA DFS, which is just something that's
1: uh that I, I like working on. Ooh, NCAA DFS. Talk to you off air, Eric. Yes. Well, all right, Nick. Anything that I—I I mean, I feel like you probably got your, your your hands pretty full with everything going on on your end right now. But are you still finding time to write? I I do see that you still find time to make clips and post them on uh, on, <laughs> on Twitter.com. Is that what we're going to be seeing the most of your work here? Or uh, you got any articles cooking up before uh, before the season starts?
2: Yeah, the nice thing about kids is they nap a lot. So that's that's, <laughs> that's pretty clutch. I don't, I, don't, I don't know if I'll have any long form articles. I mean, I used to, it's funny. I, I used to like write these long, I like to write those like long, like watch every single all 22 snap of a certain player and, and see if, what patterns emerge when you do that. But that's a little ambitious right now, but it'll be nice to get the all 22 back. We'll see. Um, it'll be interesting to look into Stefanski, um, and his offense, what it looks like once the, once the real deal starts. So we'll see. I might do some shorter things once the regular season starts, but I don't know if I'll have time, uh, with the baby, um, going forward, but we'll see. Well, we can hope. We can
1: hope. And uh, that is it. (laughs) That is all, gentlemen. As always, thank you for making time. Listeners, thank you for making time and listening to us, hanging out with us. And uh, yeah, we will be back talking to you soon. Have a good one.